God's truth, His Word, that can bring about change in our lives. Because how many of you would be daring enough to admit, like I will be daring enough to tell you, that when I came to Jesus, I came with junk in my trunk. I came with brokenness. I came with holes in my soul. Anybody else? All right, there's some of you that are honest. Some of you, you need Jesus right now because you lying. And you lying in church. Thank God he's not sending lightning bolts today. So I, I, want, I want to, throughout this series, we're going to share with you on how to experience breakthrough in the area of relationships. Whether you're single and ready to mingle, or you're one of those that back in my day, you know, there was some, some of us that were like, we're really devoted to Jesus and we're going to be bachelors till the rapture. But, but we changed our mind quick when, we, when Mrs. Wright showed up. Amen. Or whether you're in marriage right now, we're going to share some tips that will help you grow stronger in your marriage. Or maybe right now you're recognizing, you know what, I need to make connections with good friends. You're going to learn how important it is to have good friends and also how to connect the right way. So I'm going to share today more towards singles, but if you're married, this applies too. Uh, Some of you are going to be elbowing your spouse saying, shoot, I should have known that before, but no, don't do that. So let me start off by sharing. There was a passenger who was in the back of a taxi when he leaned forward and he tapped the driver on the shoulder. Suddenly, the driver screamed loudly, lost control of the car, swerved onto the footpath and stopped just inches away from a shop window. Everything went quiet in the car as both the driver and passenger sat in shock. Are you okay? The driver finally asked. Sorry about that, but you scared the living daylights out of me. The passenger apologized to the driver. I didn't know just a little tap on the shoulder would startle someone so much. No, 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 no. It's my fault, the driver replied. Today is my first day as a taxi driver. I've been driving a hearse for the past 25 years. Now, some of you are going to feel startled and scared because you're going to hear some things and you're going to say, whoa, I didn't know that's the way a relationship is to be driven. But how many of you know by now that God's truth is counter to society's my truth? Yeah. And so today, this is why we want to begin this series. But let me talk to the single people in the house. If you're single, it's very important that you ask these questions before you get married. Guys, you need to ask that woman, how do you look without your makeup? Don't put any on tomorrow. I need to see. Guys, you need to ask that woman. That hair on your head, is that yours or did you purchase it? And if you purchased it, is it paid for or are you in debt? Guys, you need to ask that woman. When you blink your eyes, are those your eyelashes or did you buy those from somewhere? And this is the most important question, guys, that you need to ask that woman. Do you cook? Then you need to follow up with, what do you know how to cook? And then you need to ask her, do you cook 
spiritual type meals, burnt offerings. <laughs> Ladies, before you marry that guy, you need to ask that man, what is your relationship like with soap and water? Do you believe in taking showers at night or in the morning? Do you believe in taking three days off and then take a shower? You need to ask him, do you have a job? Where do you work at? Yes, how much money do you make? How long have you been working there? Do you have a bank account? How is your credit? Can I see your credit score? Yeah, I, I, I got some, some of you are like bobbly, bobbleheads right now. Some of you ladies are going crazy. Then you need to ask that guy, do you pay for your gas in the car? Do you plan, you need to ask him this, ladies, do you plan on being fine like that all your life? Or do you plan on getting big? <laughs> you need, some of you are like, whoa. Yes, you need, these are very important questions. How many children do you want to have? Can you handle not having any kids? Then you need to ask him, are you planning on having an inheritance? Do you have insurance? Can you pay for your funeral if you were to die today? Now, guys, if she follows up that by asking you, how much is your life insurance policy? Run, Forrest, run. And you need to ask him, girls. Now we're going to get quiet. How's your temper? Do you throw temper tantrums? Do you throw things when you get angry? Oh. Now I want to share a principle that I believe, principles that I believe are very important right on the offset. And I want you to whether you're taking notes or you want to screenshot this, I want you to get it. Two holes don't make it right. What do you mean, Pastor? When there's brokenness in our lives, and we've all been broken, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there's a hole in our soul. But there's also the possibility because of different experiences in life that we have more than one hole in our soul. And sometimes we have this idea, if I just get together with, then everything will be all right. No. Because you can be getting together with somebody that also has unfilled holes in their soul. And two holes don't make it right. But here's the other thing I want you to see. Two holes will make it right. What do you mean, Pastor? Two people committed to being whole, becoming whole, by yielding to God and by allowing Him to fill the hole in their soul. If you both commit to that and are in process toward that and are committed to do whatever it takes to have the holes filled in your soul so that you can experience what God does, which is transform brokenness into wholeness, then it will make it right. So how can that happen, Pastor? I'll tell you how it happened in my life. 
There's a verse in the Bible that God used to outline for me and to reveal to me. Angel, if you want your brokenness to go to wholeness, if you want to experience me filling the holes in your soul, this is what you need to realize. And you need to take this revelation and its application. And in doing so, you will experience my healing work in your life. 1 John 1.7 1 John 1.7, look with me, it says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, notice, cleanses us from all sin. God used this verse to speak to my life and show me this is how you can experience the whole in your soul becoming whole through me filling it by my power. This verse reveals several things connected to the healing of the soul. So here we go. The first thing is this. Healing is conditional. Let me say that again. The healing of your soul, it's conditional. Did you notice the first word in 1 John 1, 7? It's the word if. If. Why? Because it's not an automatic thing. It's conditional. It requires some action. Listen, only what I'm willing to confront can change. Only what I'm willing to confront can change. And here's what I've understood and and discovered even in my own journey. When you refuse to change, you end up in chains. Let me say that again. When you refuse to change, you end up in chains. You find yourself more and more enslaved because you're not willing to confront what needs to be changed. You're not willing to face it. And to live in denial is to render to defeat. To live in denial is to render to defeat. What do you say, Pastor Angel? Bottom line. What you don't face, you cannot erase. Now, let me give you an example. There's times when my wife has pointed out to me. You're mad right now. And I'll deny it. No, I'm not. Smoke coming out of my ears. My brown complexion becoming red. And I'm telling her, no, I'm not mad. And then she says, I know you're upset. It's okay, but you need to admit it. And what do I do? I up the volume to confirm I'm not upset. No, I'm not angry. We don't get anywhere until I'm willing to say, you're right, dear. I'm upset. And this is why. Because again, when you refuse to change, you end up in chains. And there were things that kept me bound because I was not willing to change. Here's the second principle. Honesty and transparency are required. Notice the Bible says, walk in the light. Walk in the light. Why is that significant? Because the Bible is saying, if you and I want to feel that hole in our soul, if we want to experience healing in our soul, we've got to be willing to walk in the light, which means willing to walk in honesty and transparency. Don't keep anything in the dark. Because secrets will wound your soul. And they'll make the hole in your soul larger. Walk in the light means to walk in honesty and transparency. Ephesians 6.12 talks about the enemies that you and I face in the spiritual battle that we're engaged in, the spiritual conflict that we are occupied in as children of God. 
the Bible points out that one of these enemies, their categorization, their classification is the rulers of the darkness. Why? Because the devil can only rule over darkness. Let me say that again. The devil can only rule over darkness. And what we keep in the dark is what gives him access to harass and harm us. This is why the enemy tells us, and how many of you have experienced it? I know I have, where you hear the enemy tell don't tell anybody. You can deal with it. And you've been struggling over and over again. You keep finding yourself back in the same situation. You're saying, why? Because the enemy wants you to keep it in the dark. Because as long as it's in the dark, he can have access to you. And he can harass and harm you. But the Bible says if we walk in the light. And the Bible says of God in 1 John 1, 5, that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. And here's what you discover. To walk in the light is to understand that you can come to God in honesty and transparency. That's why the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly. That means with frankness, with speech. Why? It's telling you and I, God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. But here's the thing. You don't have to be intimidated by that fact. You can come and bring your darkness to God who is greater than your darkness. And when you come in honesty and transparency, He will show you that no matter how dark it's been in your life, His light is greater and can dispel the darkness and set you free and bring joy and peace into your life. But also, notice the Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, nor give place to the devil. Don't give the devil a base of operation. This means don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a place where he can set up shop and start doing whatever he wants in your soul. Don't give it to him. How do I give it to him? When I keep things in the dark that I need to bring to the light. Jesus understood this principle. And that's why he said in John 14, 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Jesus says, the ruler of this world, the ruler of darkness, he's coming, but he has nothing in me. What was he saying? I like the way the Amplified clarifies and gives us understanding of what he was saying. He says, I will not speak with you much longer for the rule of the world. Satan is coming and he has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me. Why? Jesus constantly walked in the light. He walked in honesty, transparency. He had nothing hidden. He was open. He was tempted like you and I, yet without sin. There was no hole in his soul because he lived his life completely submitted to the will of the Father. We're in progress. We're in process in experiencing that reality. But the way for us to get to the point where the devil no longer is able to intimidate, manipulate, and dominate our lives is through making a decision, I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to walk in transparency. I'm not going to keep things hidden. I'm not going to keep things in the dark anymore. I realize I can come before God with authenticity, vulnerability, and God will not condemn me, but God will change me and transform me through His power. And here's the third thing that's essential. Others. Others are essential. Notice the Bible tells us there that others are essential. It tells us there, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then it says we have fellowship 
with one another. And notice fellowship means connecting with the other fellow on the ship. We need others. We were never meant to do life alone. We were never meant to walk alone in this journey. We are not only supposed to walk with Jesus and have a vertical relationship with Him. We are to have also horizontal relationship with those in the body of Christ. Others are essential. You and I were created for connection. You know this verse, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone he falls for he has no one to help him up again if two lie down together they will keep warm but how can one be warm alone though one can may be overpowered by another two can withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken we were created for connection and in order for us to experience the healing of our soul we have to be willing to fellowship to connect with others and proverbs 27 17 says as iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens a countenance of his friend or another version says so one friend sharpens another we were created to walk with others in authenticity and vulnerability in transparency and in that journey what happens is we experience the breaking off of those things that at times have broken us down those things that have kept us from breakthrough in our lives because it's through community that we experience the life of God also being released into our lives as he flows through somebody else's words as he flows through somebody else's counsel in our lives. You see, Pastor Angel, I'm as vulnerable as anybody. And I also realize that no matter how far I've come in the Lord, I can blow it. I can fall down. I can find myself as a statistic tomorrow if I stop walking in the light, if I stop fellowshipping with others. That's why to this day I have relationships with men of God in my life that we mutually keep each other accountable. I can pick up my phone and call in the middle of the night and tell my brother, hey, I'm struggling right now. I need prayer right now. I can tell my friend in the Lord that I've been walking with for over 30 years, listen, I am battling right now with this situation that's overwhelming and if I don't get it out, I have a feeling that I can explode. I can lose it. I can lose my focus. I can even get off track. And that's what it takes is walking in the light, is understanding God created us to walk with others. Why? Because when I'm weak, they're strong. And and if I'm willing to be vulnerable and open about my weakness, they will be able to strengthen me with the grace that God has given them to overcome in this season of their lives. And vice versa, when they're weak, I may be strong. And because of our accountability relationship, the enemy cannot overcome us because two can withstand the attack of the enemy, Ecclesiastes tells us. But also... Some of you may need to do what Pastor Angel has done. I've been honest and open with you that in 1996, I was in the verge of a breakdown and I was becoming close to becoming a statistic. And I reached out to a counselor at TMI Counseling Services here in Visalia. And I began a journey in which I was able to share darkness in my life. Things that I was holding in, thinking if I just do more ministry, if I just do this and that, it will automatically heal my soul. But I discovered, no, you need to get it out. You need to deal with it. You need to confront it if you want to change. And God began to change my life. And I'm so grateful. Because I've discovered His Word is true. 
His word is true. He will fill the hole in your soul. He'll restore your soul, no matter how broken, no matter how beat down, no matter how defeated you find your soul right now. He can heal you. And there's one more thing. Yes. Give him praise. He's worthy of it. One more thing. It says, it ends with the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7. And the blood of Jesus Christ, this I notice, it says, cleanse us, cleanses us from our sin. But watch this. Don't miss what the scripture is revealing. There's a connection. It's not just his blood that brings healing. It's fellowship with others. Don't miss the connection. There's the vertical and there's a horizontal. You have the vertical with God, horizontal fellowship with others. We need both for the healing and filling of our soul because we're not meant to do this alone. When God said it is not good for man to be alone. He wasn't just saying it's good to get married. You need that. No, he's also saying you were created for connection, for community. And it's in community with others who are like-minded, growing in my grace, that you will find healing for your own soul. And then it says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is ever cleansing. But watch this. There's a condition, remember? Walk in the light. Walk in the light. Did you get that? Say walk. You see, I'm going to say something. Some of you might get offended with Pastor Angel, but I love you enough to be offended or get a, make you offended with me because I want to tell you the truth. You see, what I've discovered in the church world today, we've got people that stop and go. Stop and go. Stop and go. Why? Because they're led by emotion, not decision. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Mark it down. You can't stop and go, stop and go, and expect to grow. What do you mean, Pastor? You can't be, because what happens? They stop, then they go, but then they get discouraged, they get despondent. And what happens? When you stop, what happens? You start going back to that same cycle over and over again. And yet people say, I want breakthrough. And I want to tell you honestly, no, you don't. Why do you say that? How can you say that? You're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm a fruit inspector and I'm checking out your fruit and it's pretty rotten right now. And it's not because of anybody. It's your own choice. People get emotional, like high, and now, oh, this time I'm really going to commit. This time I'm really going to go all out. But then a few weeks later, <sighs> listen, I go through those cycles too. But I've come to a place in my life where I realize even when I don't feel it, I can will it. Even when I don't feel it, I can keep on walking. 
Even when I'm down in the dumps, I can keep on praying. Even when I'm struggling with a pressure in my life, I can keep on praising. I can keep on reading my Bible. The devil doesn't have a gun in my head. All he's got is a lying voice saying, you might as well give up because you don't feel it. But I've read the word long enough to know that even when I don't feel it, I can say like the psalmist, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And it's in that context. Watch. Don't miss it. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, will cleanse us from all sin. But in the, in the original language, it's in the present participle. And it means the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, is ever cleansing us or continually cleansing us. Why continually? Because you're walking. You're walking. And as you're walking... You're going to trip, but you get up and you keep walking. And when you trip, the blood's there cleansing you. And I want to make it clear today, CWC Life CV is not afraid to say and will continue to say and will always say, there's only one way for you to be made right with God. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It takes more than coming to a place of recognizing. It takes confession. It takes opening up your mouth and admitting I'm wrong. But the good news is when you come to the cross of Jesus and you You come recognizing I'm a sinner and you come confessing to the Lord. I'm a sinner in need of your grace. The blood of Jesus Christ flows and washes. There is a fountain that flows from Emmanuel's veins. And it is a fountain that will wash you of any sin. This is why I want to tell you straight up. It doesn't matter what's created the hole in your soul. It doesn't matter if it's because you did something or somebody did something to you. I want you to know that God is an expert at transforming trauma into triumph. He's an expert at changing a victim into a victor. He's an expert at bringing forth peace in the middle of your panic. He's the one that will transform your anxiety into audacity. He's the one that will take you from depression to elevation. He will lift you and He will help you and you will be able to say, it wasn't my might, it wasn't my power but I came to the one who's blood was shed for me and whose power is unlimited and when you come to him he will cleanse you and wash you and make you whole but again it goes both ways vertically horizontally who wants healing in your soul it goes both ways what do you mean both ways look at Colossians I mean James 5 16 says confess to one another Therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And then it says, and pray also for one another. Why? That you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Did you see it? Vertically and horizontally. Pray, but confess. And you'll find healing for your soul. So let me wrap it up. And then my wife, I'm going to tag her. She's going to be it. Watch this. So if we want healing for our soul, here's, here's three things to do. We must commit to going from brokenness to wholeness. Commit to going from brokenness to wholeness. And guys, this is a word for the guys. Commit to becoming Mr. Right instead of Mr. Right Now. 
I got to have it now. I got to have you now. Not if you're broken. You need to get healed in your soul. So commit to becoming Mr. Right. Let God make what's wrong right in your life before you move on. And women, here it is. Commit to become Miss Somebody instead of settling for Mr. Anybody. But he's fine. Yeah, but he got a temper. Oh, I know, but you know, it'll be okay. No, it won't. Some of you are like, uh-oh. No, I'm just trying to help you here. If he's not working on himself, you ain't going to change him. Christine Kane said, don't look to people for what only God can do. He knows your purpose. He knows why you were created. He knows you better than any person. And she concluded by saying, people cannot give you what only God can give you. Psalm 107.9 says, he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul. And he fills it with good things. He can do it. Pastor D, come on up. Pray for me, church. I have to come after Pastor, right? He came in hot and heavy, and it's always intimidating to go after him. But um, thank you, um, because I've had a front row seat to see the process in your life. And I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Amen. Uh, he can speak to us like that because he lives it out. And I, I'm thankful for our pastor. Um, he was talking about uh, what he was saying at um, Cutler Campus. He said about those, uh, if you're single, because we are talking more so to the singles this morning. If you're single, getting ready to mingle. And there was someone at the Cutler Campus that said, no, thank you. <laughs> And I said, uh, whatever you say can and will be used in a message, so be careful what you say. <laughs> but it's good to be here this morning to share with you guys. And um, yes, um, these lashes are mine. They are bought and paid for, so they're mine. <laughs> I want to begin with a biblical foundation as we are talking to singles. And I just want to lay this foundation. And this is found, this passage is found in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 38. So let's read this here together. It says this, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. All the women, married women say, amen. <laughs> his interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. All the husbands say, Amen. Amen. 
I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he is treating his fiancée improperly and will inevitably give in to his passions, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. Verse 38. So the person who marries his fiancée does well. And the person who doesn't marry does even better. Now, Apostle Paul is giving us instruction. He's giving instruction to the church. And he's saying, um, if you do not marry, you do even better. But we have also heard in the word of God, if a man finds a wife, he finds favor. Right? He, he is blessed. We also know that, that it was not good for man to be alone. And so God created a helpmate. So we see, and I, I want us to see this, is that marriage or singleness are both good. One is not better than the other. Okay? Marriage or singleness are both good. Not, one is not better than the other. And I, I say that because I have seen that at times there are people who want to get into marriage. They want, they want that because sometimes the church has hyped it up that the ultimate thing is marriage. That the ultimate good, best thing for a Christian is marriage. Not necessarily so. Because Paul is saying, if you are single, you have the opportunity to devote all your time to the Lord and to his work. And that is a good thing. And the Apostle Paul, who was unmarried, as we see from church history, he was saying that because he lived his life completely devoted. And we see that all, all that the Apostle Paul accomplished, and because he was solely devoted to the work of the kingdom, so I want to say to us that there is one not better than the other. There is just what is best for you in your relationship with the Lord. What God is leading you to do and how he is leading you to live. But I want to say if you are married, singleness is not better for you. This is not an excuse to say, oh, I want to serve the Lord with everything. No, if you are married, that is what is best for you. As Pastor was sharing, marriage does not change our issues one bit, right? Your issues are your issues, and my issues are my issues. Marriage does not change that fact, what our issues are. In fact, it will sometimes intensify them, right? All the married people say yes, right? Because that, is how, that will bring out what is really in us. And I want us to understand that our, for married people, our spouse is not our source. It's, they're not our source. They're the, not the one who can make us happy and joyful. They're not the one who will complete us. Only the Lord will do that. And that's an inside work if we are committed to the process. There was a study of 100 people. And so they got 100 people and put, all, put them into one room. 
And 98 of those people were healthy, functional people. They were relationally healthy people. And there were two dysfunctional people that they placed into a room as a part of this study. Guess what happened? Out of the 100 people, the two unhealthy, dysfunctional people found each other. Out of all those people, they found each other. Because guess what? We will attract what we are. We will, like a magnet, go ahead and attract who we are. I see married people looking at each other, right? (laughs) We will attract what we are because we are drawn to each other. And that's why what Pastor was saying, to become whole, to work on the inside of us so that we can make each other better, so that I am not looking just for someone else to complete me. I'm not looking for someone else to meet those unmet needs in my life. They will not be met in marriage. But when we come together as two wholes, then we are going to edify each other. We're going to build each other up. And if we are married, we can work in that process. It's not too late. We're going to walk it out because God is with us and he is faithful and he's going to be committed to that process in our lives. We all come up with stuff. That's just the reality of things. We all grew up and and there were some things that we didn't get in our growing up. And those are issues in our lives. And we need that process in us. And, and if we think, oh, we don't need any process, then we got a faulty view of ourselves. It's because we can't see our own ears. We don't know what, what needs to be changed in us. But if we, we risk asking the people around us, oh, they will share with us some of those things that we need to change in our lives. So we can't say that we don't need work in us. We are in this process. And Jesus knew process. He came as a real life person. He understood what process was like. He understood that there's a working. And the Bible says that he grew in every way. In Luke 2.52, it says that he grew in his stature. He grew physically. He grew with favor with God and with others. So there was a walking out of this process. So he knew that he had to grow in process. He faced difficult issues in his life, disappointments like we do. He faced difficult family situations. Jesus' family wasn't the most easiest family. And so Jesus understands process. But God is committed to this process of working in our lives. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. God is committed to us. And he wants our bodies to be made whole. Meaning what we do in our bodies matters to God. He wants our bodies to be whole and holy. Our spirit matters to him. Our inner person matters. And of course, our spirit matters to God. 
And so I want to talk, because as we're talking to singles this morning, I want to do a shift here. And I want to talk about one of the issues that are facing singles. And it's, it is loneliness and isolation. It's loneliness and isolation. And the reason why I want to bring this out is because I've seen people get into relationships that they knew wasn't beneficial for them uh, just because they did not want to be alone. They went from relationship to relationship because they had the fear of being alone. And people even stayed in relationships that were toxic and unhealthy because they were afraid of being alone. Now, whether you're not in a relationship right now or whether you've been divorced or you have been widowed, loneliness is a difficult problem. Loneliness is growing worldwide. And stats show that people are feeling more isolated and more lonely than ever before, even though we are more connected than ever before. So this means that you can have a thousand friends on social media But you can still feel lonely. And anyone, even if you're married or not, can feel lonely at times. There was a young man and he was lonely. And so he decided, I'm going to get a pet. And so he went to the pet store and he was talking to the person that worked at at the pet store and said, I'm looking for an unusual pet. So after some discussion, he decided and settled on buying a centipede. And so he said, okay, this is going to be my pet. And the centipede came in a little um, cardboard box, and this was in the home of the centipede. And, and he was so happy he took the centipede home that day. And, he, and, he, and so he was so excited. I'm no longer alone. I have a pet. And so he decided, I'm going to celebrate this tonight by um, going out to dinner. So he went to the little cardboard box and, and he said, hey, little buddy, I'm going to celebrate tonight. Do you want to go with me to Wendy's? And so he, there was no answer and he waited a little bit, a few moments. And so then he, he thought he'd try again. So he went back to the box and said, hey, in there, would you like to go to dinner with me to Wendy's tonight? But there was no answer, complete silence. So he was getting frustrated uh, he was like, hey, I, I bought this pet so I wouldn't be lonely. And now there's just silence. So he went to the box again for the third time. And, and he said, hey, in there, do you want to go with me to Wendy's tonight for dinner? To which the reply came, yes, I heard you the first time. I'm just getting my shoes on. <laughs> we have to be patient in relationships, right? So I want to talk about an antidote to loneliness and isolation. And it's this, meaningful connection. Say that, meaningful connection. I love how Pastor Rick Warren breaks it down. He says, a lack of relationships doesn't cause loneliness. A lack of meaningful connection causes it. So it's not a lack of relationships. It's a lack of meaningful connection. Now, if we can't be alone with ourselves, then we need to check ourselves. 
We, we need to be able to be alone at times with ourselves. If, if we can't do that, there's some work that needs yeah. to be done. But on the reverse of that, if we can, if we think, if we're only alone, and we only like to be alone, then there's something wrong with that. We have to stay out of the extremes. There, there's this, there was also this study that was done that it was found out that what we need in love is not only found in romantic relationships. And there is this, which you would call the biology of attachment. And what was shown is that those same chemicals, those feel-good chemicals in us that, are in, that come up in our body, in our biology, as when we are in a romantic relationship, those same chemicals are used in bonding. Just like when a baby is bonded to its mother or father, those same hormones are at work. And so all that to say this is that we don't only get those good feelings from romantic relationships. We can also get it from the relationships in our family. We can also get that in relationships with friends. Those same, so we can supplement as singles, we can supplement those good feelings with each other and in the family of God. We don't only just need a romantic relationship. And there's a push in this society just to go for a romantic relationship. Oh, that's the ultimate. I got to be with somebody. No, you don't got to be with somebody to be complete. Because you can find that in each other, in a good and pure relationship. We can find that. And that's why God says, I will set the lonely in families. He will do that. If you are lonely today, you can find that there are people around you that will come in and serve as that good and wholesome friendship and say, I'm there for you. I will be there with you. I will walk with you when you're struggling. I will be there with you and you are not alone. So that's important for us to understand that. So meaningful connection is what we need. And meaningful connection is not found online. It's not found in casual relationships and casual acquaintances. It's not found in surface conversations. But meaningful connection is built through face-to-face, eye-to-eye communication. It's getting back to those old times when it wasn't just a text or just a like online. It's actually sitting with someone and communing with them. It's actually looking at each other and taking the time out to talk, really talk. Hey, how are you really doing? Asking someone, what's your heart, dreams, and desires? To really connect with each other. And as married couples, sometimes we get busy. Sometimes we, we're so wrapped up in, in this, the phone, and what we're doing in that. And we don't take the time to just sit down and look at each other and talk. I know it's scary. 
I know sometimes for us that that trust has been violated in the past, and it's hard to trust others, but we got to move past that because there are good people that we can look to. Sometimes as parents and children, we don't make time for each other. Sometimes we, the best thing we can do for our kid is just, just say, hey, how are you doing? What happened at school today? I want to be in your world. I, I want to know what's going on in you. That is meaningful connection. Meaningful connection. And it's also found through hugs. It's also found through touch. Good and wholesome touch. I don't know about you, but I've had the experience of when I'm hurting someone's hand on my shoulder, just saying, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Oh, that does a lot. Just a meaningful embrace of saying, hey, I love you. I got your back. Those things matter. That's meaningful. So let's take that time out to look at each other eye to eye, word to word, a word that lifts up and encourages, that can change the person's day. Take the time out to do that. And then another thing that we can do to stave off loneliness and isolation is pursuing God and investing in others. Do you know as a single person, like Paul says, if you're single, you can devote yourself to the work of God. You can devote yourself to his purpose in your life uninterruptedly, that this is your season to shine in the Lord. It's your season to say, hey, it's me and you, God. I'm going to work for you. I'm going to love you. This is a love relationship between me and you, and you're going to be my my God who fills me up, I'm going to be lacking nothing. And I'm going to walk out your purpose in my life for my generation. This is a time, if you're single, to give it all. No holds barred. You can give it all to God. So get busy with God's plan for your life. Share in God's glory. And if you're walking in that, you'll see others following you in that. And you will have communion and fellowship with people around you. Ephesians 2.10, I love this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God planned good things for us to do in his kingdom. All of us. And we're his masterpiece. And we, if we want to walk in it, God has it ready for us. So there are lonely people all around us, but we can't see it by looking at the outside of of them. We don't always see it, but I guarantee you, statistics show there's lonely people. So let's let people in. Let's make time for others. Let's build a circle of relationships and friendships and then enlarge that circle. So take a risk today. Invite someone out for a meal or for coffee and ask them questions about their lives, their life. How are you doing? Call a friend and see how things are going on in their lives. 
Share how you are truly doing. Open up with what you're struggling with, with others. Open up your life. Be friendly. The Bible says if you want friends, be friendly. We can't wait on others to reach out to us. We have to reach out to others. Sometimes we expect others to reach out to us. It's not always going to happen. But we can take the initiative. We can take that initiative to reach out to others and experience meaningful connection. I'm going to close with this. As I was praying yesterday and asking the Lord for his, his purpose to be done, I was just praying and I just saw a vision of just being in, a, in an airplane. And you know how when you're in that airplane and it was, it was suffocating in that airplane and the Lord was saying, it's okay. And what happened with what happened was that the, the oxygen mass dropped down. And he was saying to me, I'm your oxygen. You don't have to suffocate in the things of life. I'm going to give you fresh breath. And so I put the oxygen mask on. And then what are we instructed to do? We're also to put that oxygen mask on others. And he says that you're going to put the oxygen mask on others. And this is what God has for us. If, you're, if you feel like you're suffocating today, if you feel so lonely, and loneliness, it, it just goes to the bone sometimes. But if you feel that loneliness, the Lord is going to fill you up with his oxygen today. And you're going to be fulfilled. You're going to be lacking nothing and then you're going to do that for someone else let's be that church let's be that church that we care about each other let's be that church where we're looking to see hey who came alone who doesn't have anybody to talk to right now who has a need let's be that church that will reach out to each other. Let's be the body of Christ, knowing that we are connected to each other because of Jesus Christ, because of his blood. Let's meet the needs of others. Let's look outside of ourselves. Let's reach out. Let's care. Let's love. Let's have meaningful conversations and meaningful touches. And let's love. Father, we come before you right now and we thank you that in your house, oh God, there's fullness of joy in your presence, in your, in your presence, oh God, where there's everything we need for life and living and godliness, everything that we need is found in you. And, and Lord, sometimes we look to other people and it's okay because you've given us other people, but, but help us to understand that they're not our source, oh God. We can't get what we need fully from other people, but we can get it. And a God who in himself, there is nothing missing, nothing lacking. He is complete. He is God all the time. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask for the filling up today, Lord, of, of minds and hearts. Oh, God, the soul, Lord, that has been lacking, Jesus, fill up by your power and your glory and majesty. Come and, and fill up to overflow. 
to overflow today. Lord, that that your presence, oh God, would meet every need in this house, oh God. One of the promises God makes to the prophet Jeremiah is, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. And so I'm going to invite you, those of you that would say, Pastor, there's some holes in my soul that need to be filled. And I'm going to give God my yes. I'm committing to the process because I want to experience His progress in my life. I'm not going to deny. I'm not going to hide. I'm going to be honest with God and with myself and with others as He directs me to connect because I want these holes filled and I want to be made whole. That's you. I want you to make your way forward just like we invited people in Cutler. I'm inviting you right now to be daring enough, bold enough to take that step forward. I had to make that step and say, Lord, I I need these holes in my soul filled. You want that? Come right now. That's it. Come. He's the healer. He can heal. He can fill. He's able. That's it. Come. Lord, I want you to fill the hole in my soul. Lord, I want healing in my soul. You said you promised it. I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. There are some wounds in my soul, Lord, that I need you to heal. Yes, come on. His presence is here. Lord, I know that today there's been principles shared from your word, but we need your power to carry them out. And I thank you for your word, Lord, that says it is God who works in you both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And so, Lord, I pray for these that have come and those coming right now, Lord, that we recognize there's holes in my soul where I need to be made whole. There's a wound. There's a hurt that needs to be healed. And we're coming to you, Lord. And I come together with them, Father, in faith. Lord, I I thank you that we're coming. Prayer warriors are coming as well. And we're going to agree for breakthrough here for the healing of the soul. Right here, right now, Father, I declare you're working, you're working, you're working. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You're welcome.